RSUFM, New Brunswick. The Rutgers football team looks to continue their hot start to the year with a win on the road against the Temple Owls. Dennis Geisler and Alex Carminati have the call, live Saturday at 2 p.m. Tune in to game coverage at 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. For hour two of the WRC Friday crew, second week of the fall semester, Brett Hahn, joined alongside John Harnett and Jake Mystel. And kind of like we were alluding to, gentlemen, at the end of the last segment, it's fantasy football season. It and, is fantasy football season. And week one was nothing short of sensational in the WRCU Fantasy League. I, I, I wanted to give Jake 1-0 and one of the highest scoring teams in the league in week one a chance to dissect his performance. So, you know, I just want to say, first of all, shout out in week one, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, especially Patrick Mahomes, for carrying me to an absolutely monstrous dub over David Palumbo. You know, I don't want to stunt on him too much because, you know what, it's not his fault. He couldn't have possibly expected Patrick Mahomes to go off for five touchdowns. And honestly, I wasn't expecting it either. So, you know, I think I think he had a pretty well put together team, just didn't go his way. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a bad sport and dunk all over my opponent. I'll just let the uh, players do that for me. So, you know, I I I was pretty pleased with my performance last week, but I'm actually more excited about this week because we got I believe the two highest scoring teams of week one, myself and Animal Style also known as WRCU GM Dennis Geisler, mm. going at it. At the end of last night's game, I'm currently up by just a point and a half. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Because <clears throat> legendary uh, Isaiah Pacheco only got point six of a point. And, like, I, I, you know, this is what I don't understand about the Chiefs. All right. And, you know, before we get back in the fantasy, I, I just want to talk about the Chiefs running back rotation for a second. All right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's doing. He's really efficient so far. All the respect to him. He's running back one, running back two, right? You know, beyond that, who? Jarek McKinnon. Give me a break. Pacheco is better than McKinnon. And yes, we are Rutgers radio station, so I understand when I say that it's like okay, there might be a little hint of bias in there, and I agree. But I don't care. He's better than Jarek McKinnon. He should be running back two. And he should be taking snaps with the first team more consistently. He didn't get any snaps last game. That's not fair. He, he, uh, Pacheco? No, I, I mean, he, he's the primary kick returner, but. Well, he got snaps on offense. Not he, enough. He, he had a, he had a nice. He didn't have any rushing attempts. Oh, no, he had a few. No, he had, he had a few rushing attempts. They actually gave it to him on a crucial, uh, third and one, I believe it was, you know, but. Where they they gave him a good chance, but unfortunately, blocking didn't help him out there. wasn't really good blocking on that play. So, you know, they need to play him more. He he is he is the perfect speed power combination. That your football team needs to succeed. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's a mini bowling ball. I guess. 
You know, he's 5'10", but he, he he just is able to seep through the gaps and come out on the other come out on the other side and score touchdowns. I get it. But at the same time, Isaiah Pacheco, while bigger in stature, has the same tools and then some. And, and he is only a rookie. He has a seventh round draft pick. Seven later round picks have a harder time working their ways up the depth chart. That's just the reality of football. Right. But I can totally see a scenario where uh, you know, if Ronald Jones' health continues to elude him and Jarek McKinnon, like, struggles, where Pacheco can consistently be running back, too, for that team. I don't know about you guys. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that assessment. I mean, I, for some, I, I'm not really sure. I, I actually wasn't aware until, like, a couple days ago that Ronald Jones would actually be on the Chiefs now instead of on the Buccaneers. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's been injured. He hasn't played. <laughs> That's why. His yeah, name but he, he's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, <coughs> obviously, you know, all three of those running backs are more tenured, probably at this point in their careers, more talented than Pacheco because he, he's got a lot of natural talent, but some of that you build up over the course of your career, right? But we're also talking about three guys who have all had kind of shaky injury histories. You know, I right. mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is only his, what, third season? Yeah, third or, third or fourth. <clears throat> Had a bit of an injury plague last year. Ronald Jones, still not back from injury. Obviously, Jarek McKinnon had some horrible injury seasons where injury completely wiped out his year. Absolutely. His Viking so, career got completely derailed from it. You know, so. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco definitely has a good shot to make it in this offense, I think. So. I, I agree with Jake. I think, like, I think the biggest thing is just, like, you know, he's the kid. He's, like, the young guy. And the three other guys have, um, they're more experienced. They're more seasoned and, uh, you know, in the big leagues. And, you know, you have to, like, break. You have to, it's, he, I mean, he might have more, like, natural talent. But, he, it's, again, you, have, you, have, you, need, you, need, you need, you need, sorry, hold on. You need time to, to, to develop those tools. Absolutely. And, and going back to the fantasy speak, that that is, um, that is Dennis Geisler's running back, too. Mm. So, you know, th- despite the upset from Rutgers Nation that he didn't do particularly well, I mean, there's plenty light ahead at the end of the tunnel. You know, l- looking at the rest of his team, I mean, Mike Williams had himself a game last night. Yeah, got me nervous. Yeah, he had he- me quaking in my boots a little bit. Eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. And what's crazy is I, I-, I-, I actually saw something on Twitter today where um, there was a guy, he didn't put any money down on the game. Um, but he predicted a 27 to 24, uh, a 27, 24 chiefs victory and Mike Williams going off and going over a hundred yards. So if he bet that, I bet you would have hit the house. Well, no, 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 no. Because the moment you bet real money on it, it changes. That's a good point. In, that, in, maybe. In, <laughs> probably. In the, in, you know, Unless it's WRC gambling advice. That's just locks the week. That's lock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lock for something that already happened. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I'm a little nervous about Joe Mixon as well uh, against the Cowboys. You know, for Dennis Geisler, obviously Carson Wentz against the Lions. Carson Wentz could do well. I don't think he'll do that well. Uh, more nervous about Terry McLaurin going off, though. Yeah, I, I, and for Terry McLaurin, I mean, he he's the number one option for now. But Jahan Dotson last game had he he had a touchdown. He quickly developed a rapport with Wentz. It, it almost feels like Wentz has the best receiving corpse that he's had it, since being in Philly. 
So, I, I mean, granted, yes, it was against the Jaguars. The Jaguars' secondary is led by Shaquille Griffin, who, ha who hasn't been the best since he signed his big money contract, and a young developing corner by the name of Tyson Campbell, who's who's an absolute physical freak. But again, it's like you were saying earlier, John, these guys got to develop. Right. So, he, with more snaps, we'll see if Campbell can take that next step. But at the same time, you know, with Wentz, um, D Detroit's defense is nothing to write home about either. I could totally see him as a perfect streamer this week. And since Dennis... You're going to have to explain what that means. So so a, a, a streamer in fantasy football or daily fantasy um, is when you have, you have a guy who can exploit a weaker matchup. So in this case, right, you know, let's just say... Let's just say... Uh, in the name of Carson Wentz, Detroit's secondary isn't the strongest unit. And quite frankly, their defense as a whole is young and developing. Jeff Okuda hasn't been healthy at all. And, and like, the, the secondary, just, you know, they need a lot of work. Let's he was just, he was healthy last week. He he was healthy, but, I mean, he can't, he's coming off major injury also, kind of oh, like. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, he needs time to get in, out of uh, the rust that he may have accumulated. But let's just say, you know, Wentz is able to take advantage of a young defense, which – I honestly don't see as that outlandish, and he and he gets over twenty points again this week. That that's what you call a streamer, right? Mm, it's, just, it, it, it's almost like you know, if you're anybody going against the New York Jets, specifically a running back. Actually, you know what? No, no, you know what? Maybe not a running back. That's the one thing the Jets actually do well. They actually defend the run decently well. Tight ends has been the Jets' crux. So most of the time, wow, you too. You'll see. <laughs> yeah, l l let's just say. Uh, I, I I don't know. The, the the Browns tight end is David Njoku. That's a potential streamer. Because, yes, while you have Jacoby Brissett at the helm, tight ends are looked at as a safety blanket. The Jets' linebacking corpse isn't particularly adept in coverage. And that's a matchup that Njoku can use as athleticism and uh, route running ability to exploit. That's that's what a streamer is. It's, got, it, it's discount players that can outperform their projections, essentially. Would it be? I don't know. I was, I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to like you know, uh, like wrap my head around it in baseball terms. So would it be the equivalent of like a lefty specialist out of the bullpen, like a like a like a like a like an iffy lefty coming in to get a good left-handed hitter because just because he's a lefty, you, he has a better chance of getting him out. Would that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So would, or it, would it be more like a guy who gets like who's on like a hitting streak and gets is good to get like a hit and maybe even an rbi every game i think the best way i could put it is let's just say i, I mean i mean th these aren't the real numbers at all but i'm just throwing them out for the sake of the explanation mm -hmm. let's just say let's just say jeff mcneil Matt's second baseman right bats bats like 100 against righties but bats like three 340 against lefties uh and you 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 know that Je that there's gonna be a lefty pitcher on the hill you're gonna want to stream jeff mcneil because he does a very great job at hitting lefties, and that's a matchup that he can exploit. It's all, it's all about the matchup. It's it, it, it's matchup, what each player's strength is, and the strength of the unit that they're versing. Got you. You know what I mean? Beautiful. So that's basically what a streamer is. Um, and I can see Carson Wentz being that guy for Dennis again. And, you know, to kind of follow along that point, too, um, Terry McLaurin, he's been a guy – you know, he, he's been a wide receiver one for a long time. He just got handed a big money contract. And, he you know, it, th there's no denying the man's talent. But at the same time, I feel like Carson Wentz is more 
adept to spreading the ball around a little bit more. You saw it in Indianapolis last season. While Michael Pittman did emerge later in the season, and there were other, you know, there weren't many legit options outside of him. Carson Wentz still likes to spread the ball to different receivers. You saw big games from, um, you know, you saw a big game from Mo Ali Cox one week. You know, you got Jack, you still got Jack Doyle there. Um, you know, uh, My- Michael Pittman was putting together his string of performances, and T.Y. Hilton who was still there last season, and he, you know, he he had his games. But point being that. Carson Wentz is a guy who isn't going to lock one target down the entire game. He's very good, again, through his reads. He may not have the athleticism he once had because of that ACL injury, so he's not going to run. Or he's not to diversify his game even more. But I can totally see McLaurin's impact getting hit by the amount of options that Washington has. The one guy that I really like on Dennis's team, even though they're versing the Rams, is Cordero Patterson. And here's why. Damian Williams got ruled out. He, he sustained a hip injury last week. He, he, he got ruled out today to play in that game. He's the immediate competition for carries, along with Tyler Algier. But Cordero Patterson, in week one, was the Atlanta Falcons offense. And last year, he showcased the same thing. He's very good in a hybrid receiver running back role. And honestly, he in fantasy, he's the perfect flex guy. And that's where Dennis has him in the flex. So I can totally see him exploiting that. And, you know, getting surprising production out of there. But, Jake, you know, your your team your team's very, very good. Okay. Kareem Hunt, you know, do I think he's going to repeat his two-touchdown performance? I don't know. I think, Nick Ch- I think this is going to be Nick Chubb's game against the Jets. He had 141 yards last week, and, and, and you know, it's, it, it's Nick Chubb. <laughs> like, <laughs> need I say any more? It's Nick Chubb. Um, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one. I mean, he, he might finish top three in the position in points. I mean, that, that goes without saying. Versing a weak Tennessee secondary, that's that, that that's curtains. Adam Thielen, um, you know, he he's getting older. He he he's on the decline, but new offensive coordinator over there. Really likes spreading the ball around. And and you saw it with just a sheer passing volume last week. I could see Thielen getting some good points. Travis Kelsey had a great game last week. This week, five receptions, fifty-one yards. It's still good for a tight end. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not what you expect to have an early round pick. But right. you gotta remember tight ends score less points. So that's good for a tight end. Dawson Knox is the guy I'm worried about the most. Dawson Knox, one reception, five yards last week. The thought is he's you know, he he's on pace to get more involved this week. But I just, I don't know. So, so I'm going over my options here, and obviously, I don't think I can change it at this point, right? Uh, because the week is already officially started. But no, my you thought can change up until game time if you want to start oh, okay. somebody. Like, um, my my thought process was, um, I have Robbie Anderson on my bench, who I think is probably going to score the most points, but I don't really want to bet against my team. I'm also not super confident. In this. I also have Sterling Shepard, but I'm not super confident in him because he can have on days, he can have off days, you know, and, you know, because I obviously, like, he could have one really long touchdown and that could be it. That could be the entire game for him, you know. I have Robert Woods, who was originally my flex player, but I don't really like him against the Bills' defense this week. And I kind of like Dawson Knox a little more against Tennessee's defense after what I saw last week. You know, against uh, the tied for first place New York Giants. Um, (laughs) 
look, look. I don't know how many times I'm going to get to say that this year. So I got to, I got to, I got to say it while we, while we're still here. Um, Understandable. <laughs> um, I must say, I liked, I liked Brian Dable as a coach. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Love him. You know, however this season goes, I just, just hope for the first time in six years. Actually, actually. Let, let let me amend that because six years ago when we made the playoffs with Ben McAdoo that was that was that was an interesting that was an interesting time because while the Giants were playing well they had a cakewalk schedule and Ben McAdoo's play calling and offense was still really something that could be called to question at the time because the Giants really weren't doing it on the back of their offense on the back of their defense so really for the first time in probably since 2011. The Giants actually have some hope on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, you know they 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 definitely do, and they're they're looking, you know they're looking the part so far. I mean, granted it's only one week, but Saquon had an and, and amazing it's part performance. Part of the reason I don't want to start Sterling Shepard this week in my flex position because I could. I've thought about it. I don't love Carolina's defense, but at the same time, at the same time, I I just. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx whatever we got going right now. You know? It. We're experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, I can take a short 30-second break to figure that out. But we're going to talk more fantasy football when we get back. Uh, stay tuned. WRCU FM New Brunswick online at WRCU.org. Your mic's not making any sound. What? The Rutgers men's soccer team returns last year's leading goal scorer, Jackson Temple. He has transfer MD Myers on the attack, giving Rutgers an arsenal of firepower. Can't make it to Yersack Field? WRSU has you covered. Tune in to Scarlet Knights men's soccer home games on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Back here at WRSU Crew, I apologize for that. Um, brief, brief problem with one of our mics, but got it. Believe we got Can it figured you hear though. Can me now? Um, not not through that one. I would, I would move over one. That's what I was trying to say. Before. This one, yeah. this one. Can you hear me now? Now, now I can. Yes. All right. Yes. Good. Now good. I can. Good. Yeah. A l- little bit of difficulties. Apologize for that. But back on the fantasy football train. Um. So, t- taking a look at the matchup, we were just talking about Saquon Barkley before all of that. And um, yeah, he, he's on he's on Arnov's team. Initially, when he was drafted in the first round, I I, I definitely have my questions. Um, you know, Giants fandom is a real thing on this station, but I'm pretty sure nobody would have contested Arnov for the pick in round one. Definitely could have waited till round two. But Saquon, I mean, like, look, like for, he had 33.4 points, 18 carries, 164 yards, a touchdown. And was a factor in the receiving games, getting six receptions on seven targets. So, he, he he had an admirable performance. Can he keep it up as a matter of can he stay healthy? But so far, he's looking like vintage Saquon. He's versus uh, a team known as... I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. A, a team known as Daddy Daddy Notice Me. <laughs> you could have just in, said he was going against Eddie, Eddie Kalegi. No, no, no. Eddie, I have to give you respect for your team name, okay? And, um, you know... Eddie's team, Eddie's team's a formidable foe. He's got Josh Allen. He's projected by most as QB1. He finished as QB1 last year. Aaron Jones at running back in a little bit of a timeshare with um, with A.J. Dillon. But, 
you know, it doesn't matter because he's still a factor in the passing game as well. I hate Devin Singletary in fantasy. I do, but he performed well last week, so I got to give him his props. Um, Devontae looking like Devontae. Whole Raiders offense ran through him last week. I don't expect that to change against Arizona secondary. Um, Darnell Mooney, that's that's a guy who it's tough to tell. He had three, only three targets last week, ca- catching one pass for eight yards. He's the number one option on the Bears, but um, you know Justin Fields still developing as a passer, and it you know they're they're going against Green Bay, and I could totally see Darnell Moody getting shadowed by J- Jerry Alexander for the entire matchup, and he's a tough guy to shake. Um, Dallas Goddard at tight end. An eagle, uh, what did he do last week? He had three receptions, 60 yards on four targets. That, that, that's pretty solid. Got got some good chunk gains. Um, Jacoby Myers is like the the ultimate flex guy. I know I said Cordell Patterson was, but I forgot all about Jacoby Myers. This dude is the model of consistency. 10 points. That's pretty much what the guy averages. He'll, he'll, he'll pop off for 15 one week. He'll, he'll, his low ceiling is around 10 points. That's exactly who you want in your flex. Baltimore defense going against Miami. That's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, tough to tell whether that'll work out. And Evan McPherson, fresh off a 29-yard missed field goal. But I don't see that being an issue this week against a very, very, very uh, – did I say very? Awful Dallas Cowboys quarterback situation and offense team. So, uh, I, I think you missed a very in there. Somewhere. A very. Sorry. My, <laughs> my, my, my apologies, sir. Um, and, and then other matches across the league. Uh, sports director Gideon Fox and the Piscataway Fox. Versus Trey Lancelot and Jack Basea. Jack, very confident about his team. Start off the season. Put up a put up a very low point total. But nonetheless, um, his, his team is littered with upside. So that's a matchup to look out for. On top of Gideon's more established veteran heavy team. Minus Michael Hardman. Um, then we got we got an interesting matchup. Mo Mo against uh, Christian Vasquez. Christian beat me by 11 points last week. The NYC Rats. The New York City Rats. <laughs> and he he's got he's, he's got a pretty cool logo on his team too. I'm not gonna lie. So so I respect it. Uh, he 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 um. Is that got, Rocket Raccoon? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> so you, you gotta give him all the props in the world for that. Um, he, he, he's got a very, very, very good team. Very good team. He does. I, I'm, I'm a little scared of him when I have to play him. That, that's not going to be fun. And then after we all have to play each other at least once. Right? We do. Yeah. Brett, oh, I think you and I are slated to go this week. We are. We are. You got to save the best for last. Oh, sorry. You got to save the oh. best for last. Come on, John. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was building up the hype, John. Oh. I'm just kidding. I just, you no, ruined, I, I spoiled no, it. Ruined all right. everything, All right, John. anyway. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Dave Palumbo. I'm skipping over your matchup now. Um, <laughs> all right, so hey, we got. You know what? I'm sure he wishes I could have skipped over the part that I, that where I played him last week. Got so. the matchup of the week here. We got Coach Hahn against Jason Claypool. There you go. I can't believe you changed your name from the Bartolo Colognes. I had I am to. So dis- no, you didn't. I had to. No, you didn't. I okay, no, I didn't. But I, I understand you guys had a segment though. Brett, Brett how many yeah. times are you gonna yeah. slam the table over there? Jeez. But I like Bartolo Colon. That's oh, why I, I love Bartolo Colon. I mean, Everybody I know Eddie's, I know Eddie's uh, team name is Daddy Daddy Notice Me. I would have mine be Bartolo Notice Me because he's a he is big. They don't, they don't call him Big Taxi for nothing. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> um, no, I had to change because we had a whole like segment about like you know um, everyone was do everyone was changing their team name based on like somebody somebody on their team. Like what's um what's uh Jacks Trey Lancelot? Isn't there, oh yeah, uh, DA's is Kyle. 
Kyler before Cod, because there's like a there's um, what's it called? Dude, we, <laughs> it was like a whole story about this, this guy was yeah. like he was playing Call of Duty all the time. I he saw was, a whole he watch breakdown. Film, yeah. yeah, I saw a whole breakdown on 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 Twitter from I I think it was like a JUCO coach or something, Last Chance You, something like that, where where he was breaking down the game film from week one with Kyler Murray, and he's just missing obvious reads, <laughs> like. Like when you see, when you actually look at the film and you break it down, which Kyler Murray, Murray clearly doesn't do, you realize why they put that clause in his contract, and then it makes you cringe a little bit. Right. Because, like, obviously, I understand why they took it out of the contract, right? Because there were there were issues, you know, surrounding the idea. You know, was it was it kind of racially motivated, you know, which is a whole mess that we don't need to get too deep into. But the point is they took it out because they received a lot of backlash and they were like, you know what, we, we're going to trust our quarterback. We're going to trust that he's going to do the right thing. No, of course not. Of course not. Why, 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 we, why, of course he just wants to play Call of Duty, right? <laughs> I mean, because they're, because as we discussed on the Wednesday crew, there are definitely no other better games to play like Fortnite or anything. So, Ugh. you know. By the no way, com- you- I don't. I don't want to get this off the rails. So I'm just gonna say yeah, no we're, we're gonna keep this on the rails. But <laughs> I mean, you, it's 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 not it's it's not good. Not looking good right now. Ironically <laughs> enough, with Kyler Murray too, like there was a COD double XP weekend last week. <laughs> so his performance could be tied to the fact that he was playing way too much Call of Duty the night before. It's I mean, t- it's speculation is running rampant on this. So. I just don't get how how you can be worth so much money and still just not just you know still find ways to blow it. If I was paid thirty million dollars, like I'd be playing COD at night too. You can me? But then you got to. I work. would be playing something else. Oh, hold on! I don't know. <laughs> he that. got a bag. Yeah, he got a bag. And, and and listen, man. Like listen, I, I I understand the media backlash and all that, but. If I'm making thirty million dollars, I'm playing some double XP weekend before. Okay, the okay, that's that's yeah. fine. But you can't find a better game. That's that's my thing. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. If it's Vanguard, then he's messing up. Um, (laughs) That's a very good point, actually. Um, But but you know, to to round out the fantasy football scheduling this week, uh, we we have in what opinion is like you know outside of my bias between like me and John because that's always gonna be my favorite because it involves you and me, John. So I mean, of course, personal favorites are always the thing. But I think the best matchup this week is Dylan Allen, Kyler before Cod. Versing Ellis Pure Domination Squad, it's a very good week two matchup. Both mm. teams coming off high scoring weeks, built built for the long run. Um, Ellis's team, Ellis's team is very good. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't see any one like significant weakness. I mean, Chase Edmonds with a committee approach that Miami takes is the only suspect in question, and Pat Fryermuth as well. I mean, he's got to get himself more established with. Uh, he Mitch did Trubisky. well, though. He did well. No, he played team. well. I mean, he had he he was targeted ten times, catching five of them for seventy five yards. It's a good start. Um, and, and he's got Lamar, who, uh, you know, I was about to say something. I'm glad I stopped myself. Uh, L- 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 Lamar messed me up in fantasy last year, <laughs> and um, I will never draft him again. I don't forgive him. So. Hey, you gotta uh, you know learn learn from your, learn from your mistakes, man. I still won second place in that league, but I'd Kirk Cousins as my playoff quarterback. Oh, <laughs> it was it, it was egregious. So, um, brutal. 
Uh, I, <laughs> 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 Absolutely. You know what? It is. Hockey. Make, make hockey. that a hockey. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, the player to watch out for, definitely. And I actually have to answer a roundtable question about this after um, after the show. It's Jonathan Taylor against Jacksonville. The, the question is, or the question isn't, can Jonathan Taylor dominate this game? The question is, can Jacksonville do anything truly to stop him? Want to get your guys' thoughts? No. Second that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I third that, and and, and I, I'm writing for the team, and 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 the readers are not going to like reading that, but that's basically going to be my answer to the roundtable. <laughs> I. I I think he. I, I can fully see him getting like 150 yards. On the I mean, yeah. I, all right, all right. I'm gonna backtrack a sec because right. I don't want to. Because I don't want to just say no and then not address the fact that Jacksonville has two young pass rushers who are really good in Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. Agreed. I acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and and you know, yeah. I have nothing else to say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what else is there, what else is there to say? No, there really isn't anything else. But I, but I mean, like, kind of looking at the standings here as well. Um, the one thing I wish we did that we didn't do, and this was just introduced in a, a league with my friends mm-hmm. this year, I wish we didn't do divisions. Yeah. I like having the top six or eight teams or whatever we choose to do make it to the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. somebody, and, and I, well, maybe it won't happen in a perfect world, but most of the time with divisions, I feel like, Someone who deserves to be in the playoffs is just not going to make it because someone with the worst because it's going to end up being actually what do they have as the playoff format here? Is it eight teams? Two, three, four, no, one, two, three, four, six teams out of fourteen. Yeah, somebody's not going to make it because they're they're seventeen divisions. So somebody's going to get screwed. <laughs> so is it like the top like, three teams in each? Yeah. That's okay. essentially what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the goal at first is to just not go to Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> then we can talk about playoffs. Yeah, so, I, I so John, you your goal is not make... to go to Champagne, right? Huh? I said, so, so John, your goal is not to go to Champagne, right? I would have a great time with Alex, but, you know, if there's a way to get out of it, I would, you know, I would not be opposed. <laughs> 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 not that it gets Alex common eye, but, like... Oh, he's a great guy. You know, it's, 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 it's Champagne, Illinois. He's a class act, as he says. <laughs> Certified class act. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> He is a certified class act. I don't. I don't think he's a card carrying a, you know, class act. But you know, he's not a certified cool guy. I, not yet. Not Aww. yet. <laughs> he wore a patriot. Boo. He wore a patriot jersey on Wednesday. Oh, actually, that's true. Why? Yeah. I take yeah, back my no, booze. I. I, I, I got I got it. I didn't call him out on it, but I should have. Why? I did right away. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's I, from I, New York. I, I mean, you know what? You know what? I give him some point because it's the Jewish legend Julian Edelman, but. It's still Patriots jersey. But like, if, how can I, just a quick, just a quick sidebar? How can you be born and raised in New York? And his response was, "Oh yeah, I hate New York. Uh, no, I hate New York teams." It's like, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He's a Packer. He's he's a Packers Cardinal fan, right? I mean, like, uh, okay, to kind of to kind of try to answer this question, yeah, I was Packer born. Fan. I was I was born and raised, you know, in Pennsylvania, Philly suburbs. But I was born as a New York sports fan, raised as a right. New York sports fan. So we're we're taught to hate Philly, you know. So that's how I can be born and raised in Philly and hate Philly teams. That makes sense. But I don't really know how Carm got to his. You'd have to talk to him his about dad, it because his dad was a big Cardinal fan. I don't know if he grew okay. up in St. Louis or in Missouri, but he's that makes sense. 
But I don't get what the Patriot jersey. Like why? Why? Why the Packers? The, why does he own? I get my. I mean, my uncle's a big Packer fan. I get that. My, I have you know, we see Packers fans everywhere. Our friend lives in America. Boston as a Packers fan. That's so weird. I don't. Why? Right? Why? Why? Why the Packerina? <laughs> like why does Alexander Kamenati own a Pats jersey? <laughs> why not? That's fair. I, I mean, mean, I would if, never own one. If I were fan. gonna get a Pats jersey, I would get a Julian Edelman jersey. I just wouldn't get one. I hate that franchise. I don't hate the Patriots. I would get a Revis one. Who was the guy that Mo Lewis broke? Okay, uh, but wh- okay, Brett. But we, why would we you get, get a Pats? Yeah, Brett, the guy that to made Tom him. Brady. Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> I have to ask you, Brett. Though, why yeah. would you get a Pats Revis jersey over a Jets Revis jersey anyway? I mean, I'm not saying I would get that before a Jets one. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm just saying if if I was if you forced, had to buy a Pats yeah, jersey, if if I if I was okay. forced against my will, it was life or death, and and and, and like the decision was you live. Or I'm sorry, you die or you have to buy a Patriots jersey. I choose Revis. Okay, what about because then I just edit it. What about a Pats jersey of a player who wasn't formerly a Jet? Uh, I mean, it it, it, like, if you absolutely had to, I know who it is, and like Jets fans give me like slack all the time for this, and I don't Mm. care. It would be Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. He's the goat. I love him. Yes, he slapped us for twenty years. (laughs) Yeah, he, you know, New York media constantly wrote him off as a schmuck. But the moment he got, listen, but the moment he got the Tampa and he threw that Lombardi trophy off the yacht yeah. and had to get carried off the boat, mad respect. <laughs> mad Wait, he had to get carried off the boat? Or not carried off the boat, but like he, he was stumbling while he was walking and somebody was holding him. I love that. I, will have I, respect, I respect I, it so much. You guys, I've got to say this about Tom Brady. Like, first of all, he's the GOAT. You have to respect the the tremendous amount of talent. Yep. And I I was talking to, to my to my roommate about this. He's a big football guy, and I never I never really thought of this. For as good as Tom Brady is, he's probably the best. He's gonna go down as the, the best quarterback until the next guy. You know, we never know. Is there gonna be a next guy though? You never know. That that that's something we should talk about after the break. But but well, I was kind but, of hoping but, we but, would but talk I want to hear baseball. your point. Though. He ne- um at least to my knowledge. Hey, uh, Tom, you remember uh, Tom Brady just made a deal with Fox, I believe, or yeah, uh, yes. he's gonna make more money doing either the color analysts or you know doing something with with Fox yeah, the color than he ever made in football. Like for as good as he is, he was never the guy like in the headlines going, "Oh, b- money, Brady wants money, money, Tom." You know what I mean? Like he never, like um, we see it he all took the time in sports for twenty years. Exactly, and I do have to give you have to respect that. Yeah. And in in a in today's uh, you know generation of sports, there seems to be like every year it's like we see it in baseball, we see it in football, where it's like this big contract. It's oh, this is the biggest contract since the last one. And then the next year, it's like oh my god, this one's even bigger. And that just keeps happening. It never. Can happened. you believe how much money he just made? Exactly. And like you have to give him respect for that. Oh, absolutely. And I never thought of it like that. And I kind of it, it changed the way I, I saw him, even though he killed my franchise for my entire life. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know wow. what? Jake, Jake brought up a very interesting point. I think we should end off with baseball. But before we go to the break and we segue, mm-hmm. I want to throw the question at everybody. Sure. Will there be another Tom Brady? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Who do you think that would be then? I don't know. I don't think he was born yet. You don't think he was born yet? Yeah. Jake? Um. At the risk of, you know... Be, because there's a risk of potentially jinxing people's careers, I'm not going to say it. I would like to change my answer. 
All right, uh, go go ahead, John. Mike White. <laughs> uh, man, I should have just talked over you. What is that? All right, all right. No, I'm kidding. I, I do think he, um, you know, the, the next great one or whatever. It, uh, I don't think he was born yet. I think it'll be in a couple, maybe 50 years, maybe 100 years, maybe maybe after we're gone. That's when the next guy will come in. But in, this, maybe he'll play on Mars. Do you think the NFL will even be here in 100 years? Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe it might be on Mars at that oh, point, Brett. It has to. It's got to be. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, I personally think there will never, ever be a Tom Brady again. Really? Yes. And, wow. And here's why. The NFL is becoming a pass-heavy league. Mm-hmm. So the standard is for quarterbacks to have boosted stats because the majority of the playbooks are going to be running offensive schemes. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Tom Brady started off, you know, he's drafted in 2001. It's before that whole era even began, right? He, he's a six-round pick. Mm-hmm. You've seen the combine photo. That man had no business being a starter in the NFL. Drew Bledsoe got injured. This man took the reins and for 20 years dominated. And it's kind of like what you guys said before with the pay cut situation. I don't see any quarterback in their prime ever taking a pay cut to the degree that Tom Brady did ever again. And because of that, a good point. the teams that surround them are going to be weaker. I don't believe anybody in the league right now has the it factor that Brady has. And honestly, the way the league's going with a player, you know, player uh, monetization, you know, advertising revenue going up, the salary cap raises every mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. the maximum contract keeps getting bigger. I don't see anybody turning down otherworldly money again. You saw it with it's Aaron Rodgers, too. I mean, he signed a three-year extension. Where, and look, now he has no receivers. If he took a pay cut, might have been able to re-sign Devontae right. to the contract he wanted, right? right? And then they wouldn't be in this situation that they're in right now. So, it, it, it's all about perspective. I feel like Tom Brady is the consummate, is like the ultimate winner. He does whatever it takes to win. I don't see anybody ever going to his level on that, and that's why I don't think there's ever going to be another Tom Brady. It's a good point. Like, his his attitude is is almost as valuable as his arm. Like, his, the, 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 I don't want to call it humbleness, but I guess the humbleness to... Take the pay cuts to see the bigger picture because he wants to win. How many rings does he have? Six? Seven. <laughs> Seven. John, John, yeah. can we just talk about that's a money quote right there. His attitude is almost as valuable as his arm. It's, I'm a poet. What can I say? It's a money <laughs> quote right there. I think that's the perfect way to end off this segment. Thank you, sir. Yeah. With that, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, I'll talk about baseball. You know, there, there, there's two baseball heads. John Harnett wearing his Mets hat proudly. Jake Mystel, of course, always wearing that Yankees hat. Uh, but, uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Got to end off with it. Uh, stay tuned here at WRCU 88.7 FM New Brunswick and online. WRCU.org. Back to the WRCU Friday crew. Week two of the fall semester. Brett Hahn, Jake Mystel, John Harnett here in studio. And... We're talking about some Major League Baseball, but on the break, we, you know, Jake Jake has a State of the Union address that he wanted to bring up, and I'm, I'm going to give him the floor. Jake, go right ahead. I don't know if it's a State of the Union address, but I love, I love that way of referring to it. No, I actually want to correct something I said a few weeks ago on the Friday Crew while it was still summer, because we were talking about Albert Pujols, yes. his chase for 700 home runs. Mm-hmm. And I mistakenly, I mistakenly said that that chase for home runs would go into the postseason. But in fact, it is not that. It is he is his chase for 700 career regular season home runs because if we're 
counting the postseason home runs he already has, he's over at 700 career home runs. Which, so I want to I want to apologize for making that mistake because Not obviously sure. you know I mean it's it's a mistake season to make you look you know you they they say career numbers you think it's everything you know when when reality it's just it it's just reg, regular season but mm-hmm. I actually wanted to make this a point of discussion because it got me thinking why don't they count postseason homers in term along with their career regular season numbers why 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 don't we do that good question and should we. I don't think we should. I think it should be separate. I do think it should be it should be regular season even the postseason. But I think when you retire, your career numbers, those numbers should be filtered in. Like Daniel Murphy, like what, how many home runs do you have? Like I'm sure less than 200. Uh, all the home runs. Let's just say Daniel Murphy has 200 home runs career regular right. season. Uh, when he when he's retired now, uh, when he announces his retirement, he. The the, po- the the seven home runs he hit as a Met in the postseason, and then, like, the six he hit as a National in the postseason. Uh, what is that? That's 13. Uh, I think under his career numbers, his batting average will probably go up, like, two or three points because it's less play- uh, less at-bats. And he'll instead have, like, 213 home runs. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know why. I'm assuming they, they did it that way just because this is the way they kept checking the numbers. But that's what I would do. What do you guys think of that? Having like, what, I do what think about it's you, be, Brad? I'm yeah. curious what you think about this. Yeah, yeah see, uh, when, I, when I think of like the debate between postseason and regular season stats, I, I, I always compare it ar- around American sports. Every league separates it. For whether the, I feel like the debate for baseball to branch it all or merge it all together, you would have to do so for other sports as well. Well, yeah, I, 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 I'm, um, I'm of the opinion that they should for all sports. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Because on one hand, yes, you know, these are all numbers being put up by one individual. So I understand wanting to condense it into one system of organization. But then there's the other side of the spectrum where I feel like the environment and, the, and like, just the environment and everything else is so much different when, like, it comes to crunch time and, like, time to play for a championship mm. to where... Your regular season numbers, like if you combine the two, your stats are going to be inflated. You know there, and then in talk circles as well, there's always the talk of playoff performer, regular season performer. Kershaw, Kershaw, Kershaw. Right. But but you have to admit the one World Series that did win, he performed very well. Yeah, because so. there's no fans. Yeah, well, well it's still it's also Kershaw. No, it's still I still think it counts. But I, I'm glad Kershaw yeah. has a ring. I love Kershaw. I'm, that's it's a, it's a good example because like the nastiest curveball I've ever seen in my life. Oh my! It's just it's like when's it coming? So so <laughs> I I think you're right, Brett. And, and I kind of it, but it, but it kind of brings me to something because I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, let me let me put up a hypothetical example of kind of my point of view on this, right? Because you were talking postseason performance versus regular season performance. So I came up with a hypothetical example. We have two baseball players. Both of them play 20 seasons. One guy hits 25 home runs every regular season, would finish with 500 career regular season home runs. The other guy hits 35 career regular season home runs every single season, and that would put him at 700, and that would be the record, right? Let's say that's the record. But guy number two hits 700 regular season home runs in his career, never made the playoffs ever. But the first guy, who only hit 500 career regular season homers, made the playoffs every year, all 20 years, and hit 10 home runs every postseason. Mm. If we combine the numbers, 
They both have 700 home runs. But if we're only tracking regular season stats as the big career number that everyone goes for, then there's a 200 home run difference. Obviously, most of the time it's not that drastic, you know, but like, I mean, think about it. It could be that drastic. There have been guys, I don't know who they are, but I know there are guys in the Hall of Fame who like are in because of their postseason heroics. Like, I can't even think of an example right now, but I'm sure there's guys in there that have like, you know, their pedestrian regular season numbers when the team gets in. And then they just light, they're either just, they either lights out with their pitching or they're just hitting the cover off the ball. Is Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame? The guy from Colorado? That's a good question. Because he's uh, a guy who's... He, he's been somebody who's been on the ballots. Because um, he's, he's the guy that comes to mind when I think of that. I can triple check, but a very, it's a good debate, uh, Jake. I never thought of I never really thought of that. Well, it was something I thought of because I realized that I made that mistake because I made the assumption that everybody else would feel the same way that I do, that, you know, when it comes to your career statistics, you would just combine everything because, of course, you would, right? I mean, right. you know, it, it like you want to total up all the home runs you hit in your career. That's that that would be the way to do it. I mean, Barry Bonds makes sense. Barry Bonds hit. Uh, 762 career regular season homers, only nine in the postseason. See, I think it hit. would still be a record. You know, it wouldn't change the fact that he still got that record, albeit, you know, in a way that wasn't very kosher. <laughs> you know, but I mean, even even if we took out his postseason homers and added Aaron, Hank Aaron's postseason homers, Bonds would still have the record by right. one. You know, but. I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting to, you know, it's like, I just assumed you would combine their numbers. But they don't, and I was just kind of wondering how you guys feel about that. I mean, should, when the guy's career is all said and done, should those numbers be combined? I don't know. I don't think so. Because post, like, it goes back to what Brett was saying. Like, postseason matters more. So it would it should count more, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, but then how would you put that in the equation? Because would you like double? If you have first of all, you have well, I don't a think, fraction I don't... of the at bats you should do in the postseason than you do in the regular season. But mm-hmm. they would count more. Would they count as much, or would they count, would you scale it up? Like well, if the I guy mean, hit four four hundred. Well, at that point, a game is still a game, whether you're playing it in October or you're playing it in April. It's still a game. It doesn't you you don't get two hits. Just because your hit came in the postseason. That's not how it works. I think it's... Mm, that's fair. Maybe it would be like... Maybe they should count like home runs and RBIs then. And then uh, after you're retired, obviously, if, like, if, like look at, I don't know, Bryce Harper right now. Like you'll see his career numbers. That's, that's regular season. But when he retires, it'll be... Uh, like his, they'll see his home run and RBI totals balloon because they'll they'll filter in the postseason numbers. But his batting average, you can just if you want to see his postseason batting I, average, I, I would yeah, look I it. would agree that you should probably separate batting averages because batting average is a very good indication of how somebody performs over the course of a season, just in terms of overall hitting, batting average, right, and on base percentage, slugging percentage, you know, those OPS, percentage, all of them, all of, those percentage yeah. based numbers. Obviously, it you know you want to separate those because you can use those numbers to very easily determine you know who's a postseason performer versus who's a regular season performer versus who's both versus who's neither. You know. Good point. I mean, you could still combine them if you want. You know, 
but it would make more sense to keep them separate just for the sake of judging a guy overall. And you can still separate the numbers anyway. Is is kind of my point. Like you don't have to like com- combining those numbers wouldn't be a very final thing where you can never see those postseason numbers like that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you can separate those numbers anyway, but but I mean just for the sake of you know, cuz like it's not like the home runs that Babe Ruth hit in the postseason weren't home runs that he hit. You yeah. know, when you look at that career number, it's what seven fourteen. Yeah. Well, that doesn't. That's not. That's misleading because they say he hit seven hundred and fourteen home runs in his career, but he didn't actually because Babe Ruth played in a lot of championships. Mm-hmm. You know, so he hit more home runs in his entire career than that. I'm just pulling up his post his uh his World Series numbers because there was well, no yeah, postseason yeah, yeah. back then. There's just yeah. only the World Series. The, the World Series was the postseason. Uh, I'm yeah. just curious. I actually don't know what how he did. He has he has 15 uh, World Series home runs, so he should have like 729 home runs. Yep. Which would still put him behind Hank Aaron. It would, but uh, I mean, like it, it's I, uh, it's more misleading to say he only has 714 because you know that doesn't take into account his accomplishments throughout the postseason. Which I feel like is important. It's a good question, and I mean, if you wanted to, you could say 714 plus the postseason number, you know, well, or you could just specify that it's a regular season home run. But I don't really think I, I I think it's misleading to say that that's the career number because it's not the only career number. If my calculations are correct, if Babe Ruth's, hold on, sorry. Uh, no, I'm wrong. Okay, I thought I I I was gonna filter in Babe Ruth's home, uh, World Series home runs with uh, Hank Aaron's postseason home runs, and Hank Aaron beats still beats Babe Ruth, but like by eight homers instead of you know like forty. Mm-hmm. So it's a good question, and I'm glad Pujols is at six ninety seven now, right? Yes. Three away he, from seven. He's six. He he's six ninety seven. Three away from seven hundred regular season. Obviously, I I looked at he has like a whopping nineteen postseason homers. Whoa! <laughs> which, which, you can double check that for me. You can double check that for me just to make sure I'm right. I'm sure you're right. Um. Wow. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Oh, so, a thousand OPS in the postseason as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so it it's pretty clear he's. Like, if we're counting those along with the 697, that's way over 700. Um, I don't know that it's past. Actually, no, it is past Babe Ruth. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, it is. He has more. Because Babe has 14. Well, past Babe Ruth in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. But not, not total, because if we're counting Babe Ruth postseason homers, you know. It would count. You're right. If That will put him over. That will put him in third place then. then. Yeah. That's a good question. But if you count Babe Ruth's postseason homers as well, then Babe Ruth still stays in third place. Right. So I guess nothing would change. Nothing Nothing would change. I mean, hmm. it could change for some players, but it, it wouldn't change for Albert Pujols. I just I just don't think it's I, – I, I think it's a bit disingenuous to say, oh, he's not at 700 yet. Well, I mean, are we just going to ignore the 19 home runs he hit in October? It's a good point. It's a good, I never really thought of it before. I mean – like he's 
set three away from 700 regular season homers, but mm-hmm. you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting debate. I think. Did you guys see that Yachty and uh, Wayno just surpassed the most starts as a battery all time? That's really cool. I feel I as much as I can't stand those guys because they killed the Mets. I just you have to. I love those guys. I also, they're, they're, I, also want to clarify, so, I also want to clarify that single season stats I think should just stay in the regular season because even though, you know, the argument is you know, even though you could make an argument that well what about, you know, postseason numbers, whatever, I mean, not everybody plays in the postseason and you know, I mean it's just because, like Think about I think about ninety eight and oh one with McGuire and Bonds when they broke those records. They didn't make the playoffs those years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if Aaron Judge breaks Roger Madison's record, you know, he goes in the postseason, you know, and he hit let's say he hit sixty six home runs regular season. Let's say he goes to the postseason and hits eight home runs. He would be at seventy four, you know, for the whole year. But you don't want to count that because obviously that's not fair to Barry Bonds somehow because right. he only hit seventy three and he didn't get to make the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, I'm also of the opinion that, you know, if you earn the right to play more games, you know, then that kind of sucks for everybody else. But, you know, I still think it's better to keep, when it comes to single season stats, it's better to keep them separate just because, you know, single season stats are more for the purpose of comparing everybody to each other individually over the course of one season, you know, rather than comparing other people career wise. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't like, yeah, you can compare Aaron Judge's numbers right now to Barry Bonds in 01, but it's, it, I think it's more relevant to compare him to Kyle Schwarber in the same year that he's playing, you know, in 2022, because you can look at the disparity between the two and be like, oh my God, Aaron Judge is hitting so many more home runs than the next guy in line. Right. That's much more useful <laughs> because it determines a lot of things like MVP conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, look, like, to, to kind of, we're in the last minute here. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to just say, I, I, I was listening to all your guys' points because I don't have a concrete opinion on this subject at all. And I was listening to your guys' points, and the, you know, the fact that Babe Ruth only had a World Series, and these other guys who could potentially get their stats combined have a wild card, NLCS, mm-hmm. NLDS. All That's more your, games. Mm-hmm. That's more games. That's the first thing I think of, at least. It's a good point. Like I, think, I don't know if that's uh, fair. Like Justin, like, I'll guess we'll wrap up with this. Sorry to cut you off. Um, like, oh, Justin, like Justin Turner, during the COVID season, he like, oh, he surpassed um, Duke Schneider for the most postseason home runs in Dodger history. No, he didn't. Because Duke Schneider had as much as Justin Turner in a third of the games Justin Turner has. Because Justin Turner has played in six years worth of division series, championship series. And World Series, and Duke Schneider's played in ten years of, uh, you know, like eight or seven or eight World Series, like only a few. You know what I mean? So it's just mm-hmm. they should count World Series and then postseason. That's that's there's a way. I talk about how you how you divide the uh, stats. Okay. Uh, no, that's a good way to end it, and it's definitely something for everybody to consider. And with that, that's gonna be the end of end of my State of the Union address. <laughs> end of the State of the Union address from Jake Mystel and Friday Crew here at WRC Studios. Uh, J- Brett Hahn. Jake Mystel, John Harnett signing off. Stay tuned for further programming.